Welcome to Dead and Roasted. What can I get you? Oh, jeez, you scared me. I didn't see you walk in. Sorry about that. You see, I was just enjoying my break when the lights started to flicker. Then my mind drifted to one of the scariest work stories I can remember. Here, have a seat. I'll share that story with you. A story about a furnace repair turned nightmare. Plus, I've got a few more featuring killer employees and life-ruining customers. By the way, if the lights do go out again, would you mind going to the basement to check the breakers? Just ignore the strange noise that sounds like a dozen people breathing at the same time. They're never there when the light is on, so uh, nothing to worry about. These are Tales from the Break Room. Service Call I'll Never Forget From Sleepy HVAC Guy This happened to me around six to seven years ago, and when I think about it, it feels like it just happened yesterday. I'll never forget that day. I'm an HVAC service technician, and for those who don't know, it's heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. It's good trade work. With this kind of work, if you do residential housing, it isn't uncommon for homeowners to leave the door unlocked for you to go fix whatever isn't working when they're not home during the day. At least, that's how it is in the smaller town I live in. I received a work order one day to schedule a visit with an older lady for a furnace checkup. Usually, they request service and I call to set up a time and date to come do the work. So I did just that. I called, and she asked if I could come the next morning at 8. I agreed, and she said, I'll leave the back door unlocked. Just let yourself in. The stairs are right at the back door. Just head down them, and the first door on your right is where the furnace is. I replied, Sounds good. I'll let you know if I find any issues. She then spoke back, That sounds wonderful, thank you. Also, I haven't decided if I'm going to sleep in tomorrow or going to work early. I'm leaving for a vacation. A vacation? Sounds like fun. Well, I'll try to be quiet when I come in so I don't wake you if you're sleeping in then. She thanked me, and we said our goodbyes. The next morning, I was up at the usual time, making myself some coffee, then jumping into the truck, going on my way. It was a cool fall day, and the morning was darkened with rain clouds. My favorite weather. I pulled up to the house in the work order. It was a small white home, older for sure, with red shutters and a tall seven-foot white wooden fence around the back of the property. I grabbed my bag out of the back. Sipping my coffee, I started walking to the side of the house to the gate. I let myself in and walked up the stairs to the back door. I glanced over to her detached garage, and through the window I saw a vehicle parked inside. I looked inside quickly to see if there were any signs of the homeowner. It was dark inside, all the lights were off. So I opened the door, went inside, and closed it behind me. In this house, when you walk into the back door, the stairs are straight ahead, and to the right it opens up into a kitchen. Well, I peeked around the right side and looked down past the kitchen into the living room. I thought to myself, she must be asleep still, hence the vehicle and the lights being off. I turned the basement stair lights on and went down the stairs to the furnace room. I unpacked my bag for the tools I needed and began to open the furnace up to run it and test the things I needed to. 
We use a little plastic key to close the furnace switch so the fan will run while the door is off. It makes some noise, but it usually isn't too loud while it runs. A few seconds after the furnace started, my ears perked up. I heard something above me. Footsteps. They were coming from where the bedrooms would be, off to my right walking over me to the kitchen. I didn't think much of it. I just felt bad I may have been making too much noise and woke up our customer. A few moments went by and I heard the footsteps go back to the bedroom. I was getting close to the end of what I needed to do there, when all of a sudden I heard a thud, thud, thud. I nearly jumped up from my crouched position. What the hell was that? I thought to myself. It was stomping. Someone was stomping from the bedroom to the kitchen. I felt some slight panic because I thought I kept her awake with the noise and she was upset with me. The stomping stopped briefly in the kitchen above me and I just stared at the floor above me waiting. The few moments I waited felt like an eternity then. Thud, thud, thud. The stomping footsteps trailed back away to the bedroom. I remembered thinking, I better pack up and split before I have an uncomfortable confrontation with the homeowner. I put the covers back on the furnace, threw my tools in my bag, and my phone in my pocket. I stood up, taking a few steps and looking around the corner. I saw the light to the stairs was off. I paused a moment before walking out of the room and thought to myself, I'm pretty sure I turned that on. But before I could contemplate any more to myself, thud, thud, thud. The footsteps were even louder than before, like someone was running from one end of the house to the other and stopped right above me. I started to get some anxiety, knowing someone was there, waiting. It felt as if I waited an eternity to hear something, anything. So I took a deep breath, and I thought, well, if she's angry, I'll just have to deal with it and be extra nice. I took a few steps. I was looking down at the floor then, and I could see the bottom of the steps from there. I peered up, and in the darkness of the stairs at the top was the silhouette of a head of someone with long hair dangling down over their face and shoulders. What little light from the door there was behind the head cast a shadow over their face. I couldn't make out any features. It was just an arm and head, like someone was leaning around the corner looking down at me. Panic set in. I froze. I locked eyes on this person for what felt like forever. Eventually, I had to blink. And when I did, they vanished. I blinked a few more times and tried to clear my eyes. I waited and prayed they would go back the other way so I could just leave. I wondered what in the world was that about. A few seconds passed, and the footsteps thudded back to the bedroom. Dead silence fell over the house. All I could hear was the blood pumping and ringing in my ears. Finally, I decided to push myself and just go. My legs felt they were made of solid metal, stiff and heavy. I then broke into a sprint up the stairs. My spine chilled as I ran. My ears heard them coming. Thud, thud, thud. It was coming towards me. Full adrenaline was pumping now. I charged up the stairs, pushing myself. I got to the top 
and as I opened the door and slammed it behind me, I saw a shadow out of the corner of my eye. I tried to catch my breath. I turned around, and through the small glass opening at the top of the door, I saw a shadow of a person standing in the kitchen. I didn't freeze this time. I nearly fell down the steps getting away. I went down the path through the gate back to my truck. I threw my bag in the back and I jumped in. I tried to make sense of what just happened. My heart was beating out of my chest. Trying to calm myself down, I put it in drive and was gone. I drove a few blocks up to a gas station to get a fresh coffee, trying to relax before calling the homeowner. I calmed myself first, then made the call. Here's how the conversation went. Uh, hello? I I'm all finished. Everything looks good. I I'm sorry if I woke you up. Oh, no worries. You didn't wake me. I went into work early. Oh, I see. I saw a car in the garage. I thought I heard some footsteps above me, too. Must have been my mind playing tricks. She paused a moment before responding, then said, Oh, yes, my house is old. It can make some funny noises. I rode with a co-worker today. Oh, I see. Well, I'll see you in the spring for that maintenance. Her response came quickly, and she cut me off at the end of my sentence, simply asking, Did you see it too? This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Soldier's Morgue From Jubilee the place where I used to work had briefly been a soldier's morgue during World War II. Situated on the northern beaches in Sydney, Australia, it was at a logical site for the purpose. 
It was down the road from the former cottage hospital, close to the historic colonial-style church and the house that once belonged to the local bishop. There's still a funeral home in the area, just a few blocks away. During World War II, the thousands of returned servicemen needing urgent care overwhelmed the small hospital. Nearby houses were used as a temporary hospice, somewhere to shelter the mortally wounded. When the soldiers passed away, the basement was made into a makeshift morgue, with the deceased ferried across the water to the quarantine station. After World War II, the place had been a popular sports and recreational club, catering to returned servicemen, their families, and friends. Then it had been left unoccupied, until it was converted into a suite of offices. The original sandstone level of the building was clearly visible from the sloping street. It's set below the newer floor made of terracotta brick. There was a small bronze plaque on the side of the building that said, The Soldier's Wing. Another plaque referred to it as the Soldier's Memorial Hall. We were the first people to occupy the building in years. Irma, the supervisor who told me about the morgue, often came to work early in the morning. Sometimes, she heard noises from downstairs, uncannily like a household going about its daily routine, with people moving around and the murmur of conversation. But Irma was never tempted to leave her desk and investigate. She was content to let things be, as long as she was left alone. Irma thought that she could have heard residual echoes, imprints of activities, or events from the past when it used to be a club. She was sensitive to nuances, having her own share of odd experiences. Perhaps this was why she could sense things that most people could not. The floor below was where the soldier's morgue had been located. When the place was a club, it had been the cold room where they stored beer kegs. Next to the cold room was the meeting room, which was strangely cold, even when it was full of people, or during the heat of summer. Another of my colleagues would avoid the meeting room and the facilities on the floor. It was nothing she could properly explain to us. It was just this unreasoning fear she got whenever she was down there. The ladies' room on the upper floor was even chillier, despite the general heating in the place. Whenever I had to use the facilities, I told myself it was just an old building with cracks and vents everywhere. But now I wonder if there could be something else to it. Perhaps the disruption from renovations could have stirred up things that should have been left in peace. The busy stream of people moving into the place, followed by the daily hubbub of a large office, was not particularly restful. Maybe someone, or something, did not like all that activity. Within five months after it became an office, the place became very unsettled. Everyone was unhappy. Some people were overreacting to situations where no offense was intended. Others were finding fault with everyone and everything over minor situations. The atmosphere became thoroughly uncomfortable, with ill feelings and poisonous barbs flying everywhere. I was coming home exhausted from such a toxic environment. There were days I would feel it was like pushing through sticky cobwebs when walking past these unhappy people, or that my feet were trudging through thick mud. But when they were not in the office, everything seemed much lighter and brighter. Eventually, the negativity became overwhelming. The resultant stress began to affect my health. It was clear I had to leave. On the afternoon before I left, 
I went downstairs to take a few photos of the place as a keepsake. But first, I took precautions. I said a quick prayer, asking for protection and the help of whichever guardian spirit was around. All went well at first. I took a few photos without problems. The entire floor was rather dim even though it was well lit and sunlight was shining outside the large windows. Then, my camera phone would not respond when I pressed the button. When I got it going again, the autofocus would not function, and several pictures turned out blurry. I deleted the photos that came out too fuzzy. Now that in itself was odd, because I'd kept my hand steady the entire time. The flash didn't come on even though the place had grown somehow darker. Odd that the places still looked brighter in the photos. Then I heard something fall over in the lounge area with a clatter. And just like that, I didn't feel alone any longer. The hairs on the nape of my neck were prickling in alarm. I had the distinct impression there were groups of people here and there, around the sofas. All seemed to be looking curiously at me and my camera phone. Doing my best to keep calm, I said politely, I'm leaving tomorrow and I wanted some photos for the memories. I wish you all well and to be at peace. I had no idea whom I was talking to, but I had the distinct urge to get out of there in a hurry, which I did. When I showed the photos to a few colleagues and friends, most of them saw nothing out of the ordinary. It really surprised me when a few friends saw shadows in the photos, where there shouldn't have been any. One of them was a man who came from a family with unusual abilities. He said there was the faint image of a man sitting near the bottom step of the staircase, his head bowed, smoking. There was also a number of people standing around the lounge area near the windows. The sound of something falling that I'd heard were files that had been stacked on a nearby chair. Now that I no longer work at the place, I feel very relieved. That whole building was just weird. My Mom's Old Employee from Anonymous This story happened a long time ago, so I'm sorry if it's lacking any detail. I don't exactly remember everything about that night. Well, you see, I used to live in a small town in northern Alaska. It was quite remote and isolated. You could only get there by plane or by boat. We were in the tundra too, so it was extremely cold. My mom and I moved here because she got a job offer to be a director of nursing at the hospital, and they were offering to pay a lot because she would have to move out there. We moved into an apartment building in town which was pretty small compared to normal towns, but it was the best place we could get where we were. After living there for a couple of weeks, I noticed that our neighbors underneath us started fighting a lot and throwing things. We would frequently hear people slamming doors and leaving in their truck after an argument. At the time, I didn't know what to think of it. My mom didn't tell me a lot about what was going on because she wanted to protect me and didn't want me to feel scared. Fast forward a few months and my friends and I were having a sleepover while my mother went in to work an overnight to cover for her staff. It was almost 2 a.m. when I heard someone coming up the steps outside. My friends and I froze because no one would be coming up except my mother and she wasn't supposed to be home until 7. 
We had these giant windows looking right out to the stairs, so I could clearly see him. Luckily, we had the lights off, so he couldn't see in. We turned off the TV and waited. We then saw a tall man walking up to the door. He knocked very aggressively. He was wearing all black, and I could barely make out his face, but I recognized him to be our downstairs neighbor. I didn't know why he was here. We never talked to those neighbors. I felt like it was a bad idea to answer, so my friends hid in my room, and I hid underneath the windowsill so he couldn't see me. I was hoping he would walk away, but he came up to the window and began banging on it too, aggressively. I was getting super freaked out at this point, and I wanted to call my mom or the cops, but I was too scared to move. It felt like he was banging on the window for an eternity. But then, eventually, he left, clamoring back down the stairs. I called my mother and told her about the incident, which prompted her to come home immediately. She seemed very freaked out when she got back. She ended up calling the police and would not let me listen to the conversation. We had to move out of that town a month later, and I didn't even get to finish my freshman year there. My mom didn't tell me until years later, but the man who came to the window, our neighbor, had actually been my mom's old employee. He'd been stealing tons of money from the hospital, along with other workers, so my mom told the company and they were fired. Worse yet, shortly after that, she began to receive death threats and was specifically told that they were going to take me and murder me if she did not give them their jobs back. She didn't tell me at the time, so I wouldn't be scared, which was probably a good thing. But it crosses my mind from time to time that if that man had decided to break the window and come inside, I could have been killed that night. A Broken Clock From Eye Doctor 78 When I was 22, I worked at this gas station a couple towns over from where I lived at the time. This happened in the 80s. The place had been around since the late 40s, but by the time I got there it was old and dinky and rotting. Over the years, the neighborhood it was in had seen itself slowly fill up with the poor, gaining the reputation as the bad side of town. My boss warned me about that during my interview. He said the place had already been robbed three times in just that year. I told him I didn't care. I needed the money. He said there were plenty of other jobs on the other side of town who would love to hire a nice young guy like me. I said they would have to find someone else, because I didn't have a car, and I wasn't going to go all that way just to make the same amount of money I could here. He said, okay, but he'd warned me. I was put on the night shift, nine o'clock to seven in the morning. Easy work. All I had to do was watch the register, maybe stock or rearrange the shelves and coolers or sweep here and there on occasion. But most of the time I just stood around, watching the little black and white TV they had in the corner behind the register. All the guff my boss had given me about danger and all that crap seemed useless. Hardly anyone ever caused any trouble. Hardly anybody ever even came here. 
Sure, I'd get a few tweakers who would come in and walk around the store like I was an idiot, trying to steal stuff, but they always backed off when I began monitoring them. Druggies are usually cowards around here, when you get down to it. There was, however, one night. It had been raining for three days straight, and most of the roads in and out of town were flooded. I wasn't even supposed to work that night, but the other guy, Zach, had called in. He said his driveway was blocked off and overflowing. So there I was on my day off, alone. The night was cold and wet and dragging on and on and on. Around two in the morning, this old guy walked in. I wish I could say my senses had been working that night, that I'd gotten a bad feeling about him right away, but I didn't. He just seemed like any old creep in that town, kind of dirty looking but harmless in a way. I never saw him try to pocket anything, even though he spent a good while looping the store, going up and down each aisle. He was friendly too, that was the strange part. I know it sounds funny when I say that, but anyone who has ever worked in retail can agree that most people just go in and out without so much as a hello or have a nice day. This guy, on the other hand, was a natural talker. He saw me watching the fight on TV, and that was a 10-minute conversation right there. He hated Muhammad Ali. I ignored him on that one. After that, he went off on Doritos, saying they were nasty, along with a whole bunch of other stuff in the store. Then he talked about hating the rain, spending a good 30 minutes filling me in on his leaky roof. I was getting tired. I asked him if he was going to buy anything, and that seemed to hit a nerve. His face grew cold and pale, and he stared at me for a few moments, like a statue never blinking. I was about ready to reach for the phone and call the cops, but he broke the tension with a smile. Never in my life had I been sickened by a smile, but that was my first. It was this bizarre plastic grin full of crooked yellow teeth, a grin that seemed phony, like it was his best try. He spoke again, and this time I got a nose full of rotting meat, smelled like it was two weeks old. You got a bathroom around here? We did, but for a second I thought about lying to him and saying no. Then I ran it through my head. I could see him losing it on me and maybe pulling out a knife or gun. I didn't feel like dying that night, so I shrugged and told him where the bathroom was. I was glad to be alone again. Hopefully he'd go and get out. A few cars pulled up then, and I went out to tell them our pumps were empty and to go to the Conoco a few blocks up the road. There were a few complaints, but most turned out to be understanding, and even went in to get snacks and beer, making small talk in the process. It made the time pass by faster. Before long, it was nearing 5 o'clock, and I was itching to go home. A loud bang from the other side of the store killed that dream in a heartbeat. The place was empty when it happened, and I could feel that silence, thick and unwavering, running up the back of my neck. I stood, thinking about what to do next. I never saw or heard that old man go out the door. I fought away my initial panic, but my heart, it wouldn't stop thumping. Animal instinct, I guess. Then I remembered. I swallowed the lump in my throat and approached the bathroom door. Locked. 
even though there was a big sign that said specifically not to lock the door. It had been put up there ever since my coworker, Dennis, caught a girl on the toilet with a needle in her arm. Plus, it was written in big red letters. So, obviously, the old geezer was either blind or hated rules. I knocked. Are you still in there? Nothing. I knocked again. Sir, are you okay? Once more, nothing. I felt a chill go through me. Just my luck, I thought. He'd probably pulled an Elvis and plopped dead right there on the toilet. And now it was me who was going to have to spend the whole morning dealing with the cops and paramedics, when I should be getting home to bed. I sighed. I went and got the bathroom key and jiggled the door open. What I stumbled upon stopped me dead in my tracks. Blood. There was nothing but blood. A big pool of it beside the toilet and smeared up the wall. But no body. Stupidly, I called out for him, but he obviously wasn't ever going to be there. I nearly fell over. I was so dizzy, like I was dreaming. I wished I was dreaming or hallucinating or something other than what was happening. There was a window in that bathroom, opened, and the trail of blood ending right at the sill. But it was so high. I couldn't imagine a man of his age having the strength to pull himself up all that way. He must be in the store still, I thought, roaming around on his tiptoes, maybe with a knife. Maybe this was his plan, mess with the kid before sticking him for good. I was trembling. Somehow I managed to control my breathing. I shut and locked that damn door. I got my pocket knife out, and every bit of my soul was screaming at me to ditch the whole scene, but still I searched the entire store, front to back, top to bottom, reminding myself that if I were to bolt, the only thing on the cop's mind would be me. However, not a soul was in the building except me. I grabbed the phone behind the register. I dialed my boss to see what he thought I should do. I was thinking of what to say, ready to hear my boss's tired voice answer, before noticing the line had been cut. My stomach sank. I'd spent my whole life watching movies and hearing about bad things happening to people in the middle of the night, but this, this was real. I locked the front door, then approached the back door, my knife ready. I pushed it open slow, the slowest I'd ever been, and I peeked out. All I saw was the trash can being overtaken by the river of rainwater flooding down the alleyway. I made sure both front and back doors were locked, then flipped over the closed sign. I returned to the bathroom and took a hard look at the mess I faced. I kept telling myself it wasn't real, trying to force any kind of logic onto the situation, but my eyes would not lie to me. They couldn't lie to me, and now what they were seeing was that blood getting cold and hardening to the floor. I don't know how long it took me to get it all mopped up. I was in a daze, and I kept looking over my shoulder, ready for the old man to leap out of some overlooked shadow, eyes wild and knife in hand, pouncing on me. Part of me prayed for just that, to get it all over and done with, so I didn't have to be afraid anymore. But no, I was all alone, the sun taking its sweet time to rise, 
and pulling me out of this hellish night. I went back out into the alleyway, dumping the dirty blood water right there into the street, watching it run off past the trash can and into the storm drain. I knew it would mix up with that water to where you would never see the red in it, and it would flow far, far away. I bleached and squeezed that mop until it was back to its dirty gray glory. My wrists then were sore as hell. I was all done. The bathroom wasn't sparkling clean, but unless you had Superman vision or something, you couldn't even tell there had been a person in there, let alone blood. I was glad about that, yet paranoid. I remained rigid behind the register, distracting myself with the TV until my shift was over. A little bit later, Annie, my coworker, came in for a shift change. I clocked out and walked about as fast as I could in the pouring rain, ignoring the friendly strangers offering me rides. Eventually, I caught the bus back to my town, got a seat all the way at the end. I was too tired and sick to sit beside anyone. I wanted to be alone for the rest of my life. In the days that followed, my sanity crumbled. I asked for day shifts, but even then, I was still gripped with a sickly fear that people, especially the police, would start asking around about that old man. I was paranoid that some phantom witness with selective sight had been in that store with me, had just seen me and only me working the mop, and would go off telling everyone in the news about it, that that's all that people would think about that night. But nothing ever happened, and I think that was the worst part. The days went on like they always had, it was like the old man had never existed. I quit that place not too long after. I never went back to that town, never told anyone about what happened until now. It keeps me up at night. I wonder about that man, where he went, if anywhere. I wonder if he's dead or not. And when I do, all I see is that blood and me mopping it away, a scared little boy. I don't know if that means anything but I do know that my habit of suppression about that night has broken me, and worse, my family. My ex-wife doesn't speak to me, and my two girls hardly ever do, unless it's a birthday. I blame that on my anger. Angry that I never got answers about that night. Angry that I ran away from those questions in the first place. Angry that I get to wake up for another day, and let's face it, that old man probably can't. I should have called the cops. They would have helped. I should have done anything other than what I chose to do. I chose to be a coward and forget about it. It's a burden I've carried all these years, and it's a burden I'll carry until I'm gone. Tales from the Break Room is a viewer-submitted podcast featuring allegedly true scary stories that happened on the way to, on the way from, or at work. If you want your story to be narrated on the show, send it to us at eeriecast.com submit. As of April 14th, we're paying three cents per word for stories that are approved and make it onto the show. Submission does not guarantee approval or payment. For a limited time only, PayPal only. Tales from the Break Room is an EerieCast network original podcast hosted by Darkness Prevails. You can follow him on Twitter at darkprevails, and you can hear thousands more stories read by him on our other show, Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
You can also enjoy plenty more horror-themed podcasts at eeriecast.com.